Hi, Cameron. So you've been giving it's me us. those free vocal lessons. Um, yeah, I guess we could call them that. Uh, vocal tips. There we go. That's more. That's that more okay. more accurate. So you've been giving me free vocal tips, which, uh, by and large, that was to help the show. Opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad. Okay. Uh, but also last night I was doing uh, karaoke on VR chat, and I was showing everybody up. Yeah. I know it's not a competition, but it was kind of funny. Uh, like. I, I, I would go up and sing a song, and it was, uh, like, I would try. And you, you know my limits, but I'm still trying. Yeah. Uh, and then someone else would go up, and they're like, I, okay, I remember the song. Okay, it's, the, uh, when, when you, um, no, wait, wait, okay, uh, you, you, you got a, you, in me, you got a friend in me, somebody, me, one, time, many, and I, it was it was all in good fun, but I was being a little like self reflective and thinking about hey you know what I go up there and try, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna cherish uh, my own personal growth. And you know that's that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, as much as I feel like I'm in a competition with literally everybody else in the space I'm in, which is a bad thing to feel because I'm nowhere near as good as like ninety eight percent of those fuckers. It's really competing with. It's like golf. You're competing with yourself. And that can, it changes the way you feel about the pressure of it, right? Because like all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I need to get better for me. How do I, how do I measure this? How do I deal with my own insecurities and my own horse shit? Because that's always been my thing. Like I, w- I was doing some recording oh. today and I was having a lot of fun with it and that was great. But, you know, still not quite where I want to be. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that Weird Al song, Hardware Store. Yes. And it has, there's a part, I don't know what you would call that in the middle, what the music term is, but it's like, it's it's this impossible tongue twister that you cannot do. Right. Um, but besides that part, I can do that song. And so one of the songs I picked for uh, karaoke last night was a Weird Al song. And someone else said, oh man, I want to do Weird Al too. So they brought up the list and I said, we well, should do Hardware Store. That one's fun to sing to. It's just that part that's hard is hard. Um, He could not get a single sentence done. Oh, no. It was going way too fast for him. Like, even the that beginning. That is a really... That and is I, a fast I song, though. I found that interesting. It is. It's one of those... I feel like it, it rides. It's a bumpy ride, but it rides. Yeah. I do think, though, the putting in just a little bit of, like, practice and effort a week really starts to pay off really fast. Like you notice the results. My last lesson with Mark, um, we were, we were doing some of the songs that we'd been practicing and he's like, Hey, I want you to do this song now. And he pulled up a, ain't no sunshine when she comes. And he's like, sing, sing the first 30 seconds of this, listen to it twice and then sing it. And I'm like, I don't really know this song. And he's like, I know that's the point. I want to see how good you are at matching pitch because you've memorized these we've been working on, but you haven't memorized this. And he had me do it 10 times. And the first like two or three times were a fucking mess because I was so nervous and I was like, Jesus, what am I doing? I'm looking like a dumbass. I'm moving my hands. And then by like the 10th time, I was like doing a voice and I was having fun because I was so like fucking over myself. And he's like, see, you got better. You know, and you, this only took 10 minutes. We just did this little bit 10 times and you got better. Um, whether I was perfect or not, he wouldn't say, which means I wasn't. But. Just a little bit of practice a week really, really starts to pay off really fast. It really does. And it, it, I will it, say it, to reiterate my point, it's fun to see that progress. And I appreciate oh, totally. the, your help in that. I was hoping the last lesson we had, I was like, okay, well, I'm in on the for the singing thing. And he's like, so now that we learned some singing, should we apply these to your scream vocals and make those sound better? And I was like, oh, no, we got to do that instead. That sounds way more fun and less hard. So. I don't have any more singing tips for you yet. It might be a couple months before I get more. Uh, and in the meantime, though, I am going to like a half hour to an hour a week drill pitch because I'm still not quite perfect with it and I want to get better. So if I do have to go sing a random ass song on karaoke, I can at least be in the ballpark. 
I like uh, that one song, Bob. That's a fun one to sing. Yeah, that's a fun song. I recommend that the, uh, for anybody's an- karaoke night. Yeah, I, I think karaoke's fun when people are picking like weirder songs or kind of comedy songs. Like, it's you got the like like I'll go up there with a metal song and do some try hard shit because I practiced it beforehand. But then when someone goes up and is like, I'm gonna do a weird owl song you haven't heard, and it's like, oh, this is gonna be a treat. I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna enjoy this. And you know, oh. if there's like a chorus bit, I'll join in and that'll be fun too. So okay, so I didn't name names, so it's not like they have to save face, but I will say the guy that could not do Weird Al at all, uh, he did pick uh, Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast, and he has a beautiful French accent, and he did that very well. Oh, nice. Uh, um, so I, I do want to point that out in hindsight. I think most show tunes are very difficult to do because they, there's so many different characters. So you have a lot of different like voices coming in, at least with some of these Disney ones. I imagine there's a lot of like key changes and tempo shifts too, just as like the narrative structure changes. So like uh, the actual musical structure does. So when anybody I, can go up and nail a show tune. So okay, um, on this topic, I didn't see the new Little Mermaid. Did you? I'm assuming you didn't. No. Did you hear the like they added a couple new songs? But That's good. One of the songs is for that seagull whose entire personality is that they're annoying. Oh, that's bad. Right? Uh, that is absolutely the worst song I've ever heard in a Disney. Wow. Uh, I have to find it. I can't remember what it's called. Which I like that seagull. The flow of my sentence. I like the seagull in the animated wow. movie, but I feel like he's in it the right amount. I think his name is Sebastian. He's in it the right amount. No, Sebastian is the crab. That's the crab. I don't remember what the seagull's name is. I, but, like, he's funny, but he's gone most of it. I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I don't like the seagull even in the animated one. Like, Really? I, I don't think the live-action one is a downgrade. Some people are saying, oh, they ruined the character. And it's like, nope, it's the same thing. <laughs> Maybe I expect less out of my uh, seagull characters, so I'm fine with it. I guess to stay on okay. the, the vocal thing. It's easy thing, to edit out look- the silence because it trims out. Okay, here. It's called Scuttlebutt. Okay. Scuttlebutt, that definitely sounds like the... Oh, I forgot how fucking weird this looks with live action where they're just like, no, I look like an actual seagull and a crab. Oh, this is so upsetting to see. Like, are you going to go see this movie? No. No. Not even a little. There we go. Hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. What? Oh, I didn't know Aquafina played the, uh... No, the gossip, the buzz, the who said what, who does that, yeah, the scattlebutt. Seagull. Well, I was flying over land and seeing ear to the ground. Yeah. Then I came flying here for you to see and hear I like her as, a, as an actress when when it suits her, because she can be really funny and charismatic. Like, she was great in uh, Ray and the Last Dragon, which is a mediocre movie. I think, oh, sure. Um, I, I, I also, I don't think she's doing a bad job of this character. But this song is very hard to listen to. It's just, yeah, I don't like this at all, and I don't think it's her fault. No. <laughs> no. Um, now, this is the interesting thing, and somebody in a Discord, they were, like, asking for help. Because they've become obsessed with listening to the song in every single language until they find a good version. Oh no! So here's the Chinese one. Does it get better in Chinese? No. It sounds the same. I kind of like it more because I can't understand any of the words, but it still has that, like, voice quality that doesn't maybe belong yeah. in a song. It, it, uh, it, the thing is that it kind of sounds like Aquafina doing a racist impression of Chinese language. <laughs> a little bit. Because it sounds like her. I don't know if, I don't think she sang the different versions, but almost every language... They got someone that sounds like spot on for that weird, like grating 
uh, squawky sound, uh, which is a character trait of the bird character, so it's supposed to be that way. It just, I don't think that character's supposed to sing. Right. I would agree with that. Also, I don't know. It just like so anyways, narratively, we- the song it doesn't it doesn't do anything for the story. Well, no, this was a scene in the animated one, wasn't it? Maybe, but I don't think it definitely didn't go on I, this I think, long because it didn't have a fucking song. Well, no, but I mean, I, there is a scene where the bird is like reporting back stuff that he's hearing. Yes, so yes, they just so that turned is true. that into a musical number because it's been so long without a song. Mm. I guess I kind of appreciate the point that is, idea. You should look it up on karaoke night. I, you know what? There you go. I could, I could scream this, and, the, and I wonder if that would be any good. I don't want to learn it, though. I think if we all had our own unique take on it, we would all get kicked out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when you go to a bar and you queue up, like, a Britney Spears song, like, eight times in a row, and eventually someone just gets mad and makes you leave. Well, I was... So, I I did... um, One of the songs that I did was uh, You Got a Friend in Me, but I was doing, like, my Randy Newman voice, and someone asked me if I was, like... If I was intentionally making fun of mentally challenged people, or if I was making fun of Randy Newman, <laughs> and it's like, oh no, I'm not sure. You went yes and. <laughs> I put on blackface and said that line from that movie. <laughs> okay, so uh, talk about singing. Do you have any fun stories about singing lately? Yeah, so. I, and I've talked about this a bit on the show, I think. Oh, uh, my vocal vocal contest, right? I entered it, did not make it to round two. Um, the round two entries are I've been going through. They've been streaming these entries with uh, a, a host is, host of judges, a rotating host, because there's been a bunch of judges for this contest. And I, I haven't really watched any of them from start to finish. I don't care that much because I'm, like, not in the contest. But... I'll I'll, tr- I'll I'll like pick a couple random spots just to see like what the vibe is like, what's going on, what some of the entries sound like, and there's some really good ones, and I understand why I did not make it to round two, so I don't like I don't feel bad about that. Um, the last uh, one that went up had uh, Phil Bozeman from Whitechapel on it, so I was like I want to at least see how he's like. Cause I like him a lot, and then there was a couple other people, um, Vicky from like the Agonist, and then Johnny from Carcosa, and then Alex and or Quiggs and Mark. And so I, I picked a random chunk because I wasn't going to watch more than like a song in a discussion. But I thought, yeah, maybe I'll get some songwriting tips out of this because there's really good feedback in some of these. And the, the the song I picked, it was pretty mediocre. It was um, a really bad take on the instrumental, but the vocalist was clearly good at what he did. So that's why he made it to round two. But the uh, the vibe of the room was really weirdly like catty and negative, And the, the feedback wasn't super constructive. And, and, and it was just kind of mean spirited. And I know that's not, like, the goal of what this was supposed to be. Um, but it, it, you know how, I, I don't know, sometimes, like, the room turns into that, and people try to match, like, the energy of the room, and it just gets worse. So I don't know if this was, like, anybody's fault, if, or if it just kind of happened. Uh, like I said, I, I, I skipped ahead, like, an hour and a half and just started watching. But it made me realize that I don't know if these people are end up going to watching this and, and it, they're going to get this feedback that is, in my mind, not super helpful and kind of mean for like internet discussion points. And it made me realize that I think everybody needs to know and learn this, that like all the feedback you get, like some of it you can throw away because it's fucking not good. And the power imbalance here, though, is what, what makes this interesting. We've got like three vocalists from bands that are signed to labels who tour and put out music giving like bad advice or like bad critique in the the it just really struck me as strange because you you're like i'm like okay well if if i had been critiqued by these people i'd be pretty upset probably but also i think i i'm under i had a point where i could be like yeah but what they're telling me is not useful so i can discard it because i've been i've been in the creative game for a while i've gotten bad critiques from my writing and my music and stuff and i can kind of gauge like what's good and what isn't what i need to follow and what i need to throw away but if you're new to this which a lot of people are with this contest. Like most of these people have not written songs before. You don't have that muscle. And that's gotta be really weird to be like, oh, my favorite vocalist is listening to my song. Oh, she hates it. <laughs> what do I do? And it was it was just really 
it was it was very strange, but it really was like, you know, there's a lesson to be learned here, but I don't think it's the lesson anybody on the stream is trying to teach. Mm. I don't know if you've encountered that because you, you do all kinds of stuff. If someone gives you feedback and you immediately are like, yeah, but that's shitty feedback, so I'm not even going to bother with it. Like, I'm not going to put any emotional weight into that at all. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it, part of literacy is just being able to discard irrelevant information. Yeah. Like, that's that's just, it's not even, like, feedback. You have to know how to do that just to browse Twitter. Yeah, you that's know? fair. Uh, I, I think... I think my problem is if you're working on something creative, especially sometimes you're not looking for feedback. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes you're finished with something and this isn't that you should stop growing, but your point was to, I'm going to finish this one thing and just call it done. And maybe you learned something along the way and maybe your next project is going to be different, but it's not like you're submitting this for review, you know? And so when people step in to kind of uh, tear it apart uh, un- unrequestedly, sometimes that leaves a bad feeling. Uh, yeah. I was in an art contest once. Oh, tell me about that. It was uh, there was it was a, a comic uh, contest on Twitter. And it was um, the idea was everybody would get topics and it was like a what's the word there was a whole bracket system okay like a a tiered uh yeah tiered bracket thing and first round um i beat the other guy pretty it was it was pretty one-sided and it's like okay cool i don't remember what that one was uh but the second one was uh i it was it was kind of embarrassing because i was put up against a guy that i really respect and it's kind of like, oh, I almost feel like I should step down because I know he's better than me. And it was like, I, I, I was just, I was, I was in this weird starstruck moment where it's like, oh, I don't okay. belong here. Uh, but I, we got the topic, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my best anyways, because otherwise, like, it, it would be rude to not try my best. Yeah. So I'm gonna do that. Uh, we both came up with basically the exact same joke. But he did present oh, no. his a lot better. And it's like, well, you know, I, I didn't win, whatever. But for whatever reason, the judges, like, they really leaned into how, uh, boy, this matchup, it's a prime example of what to do versus what not to do. And I think the only reason we walked into this was because we basically had the same joke. So it was too easy to compare one to one everything. Sure. Uh, and in fact, this is a little bit. If if anyone out there wants to do comics, a very important thing is, uh, brevity is the uh source of wit. What is it? Brevity is the soul of wit. Brevity is the soul of wit. Thank you. Y- yeah, gotta keep that close to your heart. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, uh. Yeah, that was a bad feeling. I I imagine. It's weird too, like the having it as like a contest or a judge thing, like kind of changes the dynamic to like uh you know, if I throw something out of my writers group, and obviously that's kind of like contest based because we vote and then the winner wins the you know, gets to pick the next theme. But there are also people who I'm like, I never write to please this guy, and so when he's like, I don't like this story again, I'm like, Yeah, no shit. Like we, I write things you hate, and you write things I hate, and that's just our relationship, and that's fine. Um, but to have, like, an actual contest with people, like, within an industry you actually like and respect, you know, uh, not as hobbyists, but as, like, professionals, it, it does it does make things feel a bit different. Like, if, if Phil Bozeman had listened to my song and was like, I don't like this, and had been kind of mean about it, like, that, I can be like, oh, well, I don't need his advice because... He's not giving good advice, but also, like, it would still fucking sting. Like, I am a human being. Oh, I'm trying to remember. There, there was something like this where, oh, you know what it was? Do you ever watch those cooking competition shows? Oh, sure. Once in a while. Some of those are really fun. 
I some of them are like the the great British baking competition or whatever. I yeah. love how everyone is so nice and they work together and they get along and they're polite. <laughs> you know. Yes. I sometimes I'll watch these like American ones and it's like they bring in somebody whose whole job is like their role is to be as mean as possible for no reason. Yeah. And I, I get that it's fun to have like snarky comments, but sometimes it's like here's like a, a single mother <laughs> who's like uh kind of like, hey, you know, she could probably use the prize money just to help with life. It's not about pride. And it's like you're really tearing into her peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I get that it's not how your mom used to make it, but it's like th- this seems an excessive critique of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It sucks because like in a vacuum, as a viewer, some of that stuff can be really entertaining. It is why those American cooking shows are structured the way they are, right? Like, we like that, like, brutal reality TV, like, angst and energy. But, you know, you get to say that as someone watching it on TV. You're not in the room having your peanut butter and jelly sandwich ripped apart by Gordon Ramsay. And you're like, I don't know what I did wrong. I put peanut butter and jelly on bread. What the fuck do you want from me, Gordon? Mr. Gordon. You know what though? I do uh I do actually like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> He's fun. Funny. He is very fun. I uh, I and you know, I feel less guilty about kitchen nightmares because most of the time it's like these businesses deserve to be shut down, so having him come in and like and like yell at them for not washing their hands is kind of therapeutic. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think about like how negative I can be or used to be. Like, when I think about the comics podcast, right, and, and there was a comic that we would read and, and none of us liked it, it definitely would turn into, like, a comedy sketch of how mean we could be. And it was entertaining to do, and it was probably entertaining to listen to, but no one listened to it, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I'd hate to be, like, I never wanted to advertise that show because I was always afraid someone in the industry would, like, listen to it and be like, wow, these guys fucking hate comic books. I wonder why they do that. And it's like, well, it is a bit of a bit, not gonna lie, but... It's hard to tell where the line crosses because when we like something, we're like really genuine about it. And when we don't like something, then we turn on the, you know, up to 11 dial and, and lean into it a bit, whether it's actually warrants it or not. And so trying to do less of that as uh, now that I'm 30 ish, 34 and have more important things to do with my emotions and energy than be mad at things that don't really matter. I do think there's, like, more genuine, like, it's better to be, like, pleasantly surprised by things or just, you know, not so harsh on stuff because then you can enjoy more stuff or at least, like, be accepting of more things. Like, I don't, you don't have to love it, but, you, you know, you're not mad that it's on kind of thing. Critique is hard. Um, do you know any good film critics right now? No. Because the new uh, Indiana Jones movie came out, and oh, I yeah. kind of want an excuse to see it, but it's like it really looks bad. And so I've been trying to watch reviews on like YouTube and stuff, and I, 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 I man, like everybody feels so uh, disingenuous. Whenever there's I, like <sighs> the new bad movie, everyone gets to really climb all over themselves as he who can be meanest about it. Well, it's the meanest, and then it's also the, well, I'm going to be the guy brave enough to defend it. And it's, like, it's basically the same problem. Oh, sure. I remember when, um, that one Wachowski movie with, uh, Meg from Family Guy. What the hell is her name? Mila Kunis. Um... What the hell was that name of that movie? She goes to space. Channing Tatum's in it. He's got elf ears. Jupiter Ascending, maybe? Wait, that was a Wachowski movie? That was a Wachowski movie. Wow. Okay. So, I remember when that came out, and I was I was going to write a review for that, for the one side I was, I was editing and writing for, and then someone beat me to it. But I... I really struggled to try and figure out how to talk about that movie because there's a lot of things that were kind of fun about it and a lot of things that were kind of bad about it. And at the end of the day, it was 
it was fine. I wanted to like it more than I did because I like the Wachowskis and I spent money to go see it. And it was kind of fun sometimes. And ultimately, I, I, I didn't write a review. I didn't, I didn't know how to fucking approach one because it was such a strange, you know, for every good thing, there's like maybe two bad things about it. And it can be really hard to like talk about anything that falls into that category where it's just fine or it's kind of bad, but it's not so bad you're like entertained by it. You're just like, I don't know, it was, was kind of bad. I was a little bored. I don't remember most of the details and it's only been a couple hours. And I do think more more things fall kind of in that gray category than not. Just because like that's how averages work. Like there's good stuff and there's bad stuff and most stuff's in the middle. And the middle stuff's not as fun to talk about. And so reviewers have to really find a way to talk about it. And it can feel really shitty. And I don't I don't read a lot of reviews for anything anymore just because I'd rather just go see it if I want to and, and make up my mind. But that involves, for movies anyways, just being like, oh, wait till it's on fucking Redbox. Yeah. That's kind of the thing, too, with um, the movies right now. It's sort of strange to me how expensive it's getting. Like, I, I guess, uh, apparently, movie tickets are kind of a regional thing. Okay. Um, so, I, like, how much is a movie ticket where you are? That is a good ass question. I haven't been to the movie theater since before COVID. Marcus okay. Cinema. Oh, CBS just texted me that my prescriptions are ready. Thank you, That's CBS, not a movie for ticket. texting me after I got home. I'm gonna go to Regal, and let's see what's showing at Regal. Okay, let's see. Um, Insidious: The Red Door at 8:35. What are tickets for this? If I wanted to buy one. Um, how the fuck do I use this website? <laughs> I pick a, do I pick a seat? Not working. Yeah, let's pick a different movie. No, let's do this at 955. Maybe maybe that maybe that'll be better. Here we go. Okay, uh general admission is thirteen dollars. Yeah, so mine is uh uh well it's fifteen. But I think they tack on a convenience fee. Oh sure. Which is weird because like you can't you can't buy a ticket at the theater anymore. You have to use the app there, which is no longer convenient. Right. Uh, but so it's like, <laughs> sometimes I think about, hey, I want to go see that movie. And then I think I could buy out an entire video game on Steam for the same dollars. Yeah. Um, it's weird. So I, I've become, I, I'm trying to be a little more picky with what films I go see because my uh, movie pass doesn't work anymore. And it's annoying because I can't find any reliable critics that have any sort of a, you know, good bearing. I think the favorite people I listen to, they might not get the review out for like three months until after the movie's out. But those are like the smarter people and it's just how it is. Yeah. I think with like Indiana Jones, it's sort of, do you like the property and do you like the people in it? Go see it. If no to any of those questions... Uh, wait till it's on, you know, streaming. The thing with that movie is I know it was insanely expensive to make. I think it cost like as much as like in, you know, one of the Avengers movies. Why? It looks awful in the trailer. I don't know. I always want to see it just to see I, like, where did the money go? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to watch it when it's streaming, I guess. Uh, okay. This is weird timing. Someone just sent me this great picture from the Indiana Jones video game. Oh wow! Hmm, that thing look looks whippable, and he's got his hands on his hips, he and he's uh, kind of hands on his hips. <laughs> it's in yeah, the, the font colors for no reason. Like all the, it's like a reddish orange area he's in, and then the font is like red to o yellow uh, gradient, so it's mostly orange, and it's just really hard to read. That looks like a Nintendo sixty four game. I want to say that was PS2. I feel like that tends to happen. I, I hear so many people are like, wow, look at that. That looks like shit. Like it belongs on the PS2. And I'm like, that's at least PlayStation 3. But and, and, and then I'm like the opposite where I'm like, that looks like shit. I bet it was on the Nintendo 64. And it's like, no, it was on the other one. That's a little better. It's like, God damn it. I think more than ever too, like 
everything is competing with everything else as far as entertainment value goes because we only have so many hours in a day and we get bombarded with so much crap. And so if a movie doesn't look like it's worth going to, you're just not going to do it. I know like Elemental, that new Pixar movie, I watched the trailer for that. That didn't look great. I guess it's good. I've heard like good word of mouth, but at this point, I'm like, I'm not going to go see it. And I know that movie's financially not doing great. Um, most movies, either they get like a billion dollars or they don't make enough money to warrant a sequel. Like I don't think we're going to get a, another D&D movie because we talked about that, what, last episode or the episode before. Like, hey, look how great the D&D movie was. But ultimately, like it made money, but not enough to get another one. It's like, oh, that sucks. I'm technically part of the problem, but well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, is it really your fault that they're not presenting the stuff better, though? And that seems to be the fucking case, right? Like, uh, with Elemental, I guess, like, it's like a first-generation, like, like s- immigrant story movie. Like, the, the fire character moves to the water area, and it's not like this weird Romeo and Juliet thing, but that's how... That's how the trailer's depicted. And there's like the though the dynamic of the story, I guess, is like way more interesting and nuanced than that. And why is the trailer so bad then? Nuanced? Dude, that looks like the most like two-dimensional version of this I've ever seen. Right. And then there was a DreamWorks movie with the uh the Teenage Kraken, which was I can't remember the whole name of the movie, but it sounded like a light novel. It was horrible. It was a terrible name for that movie. And the trailer made it look like this really generic ass, like, uh, young adult story. And that, you know, and it looked like a DreamWorks movie, which sometimes is good and sometimes is not selling it. And I've heard, like, word of mouth on that was like, no, it was actually pretty good. There's a lot more going on than what the trailer shows. I'm, I'm starting maybe, to wonder if the word of mouth you hear is just people that don't want to admit they're disappointed with the, their uh, budget choices. I mean, maybe. But we definitely don't like to be I, bamboozled. I mean, yeah but i also wonder too that i think um sorry no you go first oh that i think like i think the trailers and like advertisements for things like these companies that do these only know how to advertise specific stories and so when they're giving something else they don't know what the fuck to do or they're focus Mm. tested in a way where it's like well we got to appeal to this many people so let's undersell the cool thing about the story and oversell the shitty thing um, I think, like, even with a D&D movie, like, some of the trailers for that made it seem like a really gritty, like, action-packed, like, fantasy story and not a comedy. I think there's, the bigger problem is just the size of these budgets. You know, like, video game budgets are getting bigger than movies. Are they really? I guess that kind of yes. makes sense. Um, no, the, the video game market is bigger than the uh, film market like the film industry. And we're getting this weird situation now where there's some games that will, they'll come out and they'll be critically praised and they'll sell a lot. And then the studio will still come out and say, Oh yeah, we didn't break even. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to just like cancel this whole thing. And it's been going on for years. I mean, like what, what in the world was your budget that this wasn't good enough, you know? And it's just very confusing. Who's making these investments where it's like, I, I I just don't get it. It's irresponsible investment on the part of the producers at some point. God, so, like, I remember the big... dedicate into this hyper-crowded market, you know? Yeah. I remember one of the big famous ones was, like, it was one of the Tomb Raider games, I think. And they it sold, like, a couple million yeah. copies. It did really well. They're like, yeah, we didn't break... Uh, we didn't make budget. And it's like, what, what the fuck, then? Like, what were you expecting this to do? It's Tomb Raider, like... How many people give a shit about Tomb Raider and, you know, 2018, whenever that came out? I remember when the MMO craze was really bad, too, and, like, everybody and their brother was releasing an MMO to try and compete with World of Warcraft, and they all fucking sucked and, like, were just bad clones and then didn't go anywhere. And I don't know why all these studios were like, no, we'll be the ones to do it. Yeah, there's clearly a pattern, but we're gonna break it. Yeah. Uh, The Callisto Protocol... Oh, yeah, yeah, that, like, Dead Space-ish uh, game. Yeah, from the guy that made the first Dead Space, or directed it. Yep. Um. So, d- do you remember what that budget was? I do not. I know my brother bought it, and he said it was fine. Like, he enjoyed it. I don't know if he enjoyed it enough to recommend it, but he played it. 
Yeah, $161 million. That is a lot of money. Now, supposedly, the idea was that what they were investing in, like that budget, it wasn't just this one game. It was like this game and the groundwork for a trilogy. So, theoretically, uh, when they set up this, like, the engine and all the, the features and effects and stuff, this is stuff that means they don't have to work on it for two and three. Okay. And when they bought an office building that had, like, twice as much room as they needed, that was so that they didn't have to worry about an office building for two and three. And when he bought, like, a big car that drives, like, 100 miles over the speed limit that he's never going to actually drive that fast... That was so that he can drive quickly to work on two and three. <laughs> it, it's like, it, it, it's just, it's being irresponsible. It really and it's is. It's something that I'll never understand. It's like, if I had a hundred million dollars and you know me and my passion of video games, I'm going to invest in like Renoki's game. That's like this little thing that he's going to sell on Steam because he has an mm-hmm. idea. I'm not going to say I need to spend a hundred million dollars. I don't care what it's on. It's just it's a video game, so I'm guaranteed to get it back in double. It's like I don't understand where this logic comes from. I don't like. I deal with some budget stuff and like uh, and the sort at work because I I am involved in buying new equipment and researching new equipment or repairing equipment versus you know replacing stuff like that, and so. If I'm trying to make a big ticket purchase, I have to justify this to people who control the money. And sometimes that can be really difficult. Like, hey, we got this thing in and I need I need a tech to come in to fix the thing and it's going to be like eight grand. Here's why we need this fixed. You know, I got to I got to I got to explain it. You know, I can't just be like, hey, I need eight grand right now. I don't know how some of these like studios and marketing people and whatever the fuck involved in movies and video games like. Where does this money come from? How are they just able to source all of this to be like, I need to build a building to build three games. We don't have the first one done, but definitely by the time the third one's coming along, we're going to need this many new people. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> why, why, why would you, what, what, what is going on in your head? We're like, the third game is going to literally be three times bigger than the first one to the point where we need three times as many people, including computers and that means the electrical to run the building and the janitors to clean up after people when it's when they're falling asleep on the couch because we're working crunch and the water for all the, the people using the bathroom. Like, the overhead for that is fucking nuts. It's very strange. And it's also, um, it, like, I think there was a period where game design uh, as a business was turning into this, like, Wild West frontier of... Uh, like, hey, we have this, uh, we have the technology now to do bigger things. Like, Atari games used to be programmed by, like, one guy total. Right. And it's like, he would work on it for nine months or something. Or not even that. But it was, like, like a three-month project. Uh, I think that E.T. game was actually done in four weeks. Wow. And it's like, that that guy, that programmer, he was really good. And so the studio's like, oh, we gotta get this E.T. game out in time. So they call him up and he, he's on an airplane and he has a and he's like, okay, yeah, what, what, like, you need to make an E.T. game and it needs to be done in four weeks so that Steven Spielberg himself can sign off on it. And he said, oh boy, it's gonna be hard, but I'll try. And then he did it. And it's like, I I, I can't um, I can't imagine going back in time and telling those people what game design will look like in 2023. That but worse. Um, just e- everywhere you look, it's women with blue hair, and they'll go ah. But it's like the 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 reality of running a business that's bigger like this is that at some point you have to start acting more responsible than just like saying yeah I'll get it done in four weeks. Because right. There's a lot of moving parts and there's logistics, and it's very <laughs> it's very strange to me again like that anyone would throw around money like this towards things that they have no idea what they're talking about like uh i'm trying to remember now there was something uh this wasn't a video game but there was a new football league do you remember this this sounds familiar it was like alf or something it was like the american league of football 
and it was basically outside of the NFL. And they reached out to the cities that don't have teams, and they said, hey, do you want a team on this new football league? And they had some starter cities and uh, new teams, and the rules were slightly different, and uh, it was really focused on, like, you know, faster, so that you watch the players just play the game and you enjoy it. And it honestly, it was really fun. I liked going, uh, but they didn't even finish the first season. And the reason that the whole thing fell apart was uh, apparently one of the investors that had invested like more than half to cover the budget of this whole thing. Apparently he pulled out because it came to his attention that what he invested in was a football league. And this wasn't a casino at all. Oh God. He, he, Apparently, he thought he was investing in some sort of network of, like, Vegas betting on football. And he was expecting some sort of, like, magic return on his investment, like, three months in, that was guaranteed to not happen. And so when he realized that, he kind of pulled out of the whole thing. And so it undercut, like, basically the entire budget to keep everything running. And they kind of, like, fell apart. And everyone looked at it like, oh, yeah, that thing didn't last a season. Like, they couldn't even stand on their own legs. And it's like, I don't think you guys understand how this stuff works, <laughs> like, on on any level. The upper guys didn't seem to get it. The, the fans watching the games don't understand these machinations. It was like a weird, giant mess. And the bottom line was it was a waste of time and money for everyone. Yeah. And it's just so Wherever. strange <laughs> that you would, like... Imagine investing that much money in something and you don't even know what it is. Like, I, I would be watching it like a hawk every day. For sure. We're um at work. Uh, the, the money stuff at work can be interesting because so we bought a the building next to us uh, was foreclosing and we, we, we gobbled it up. We mostly wanted the land, but also another building. And so we're trying to move a, a department over there for production but the building's old and it needs a lot of renovation. I don't know what we paid for it, but I do know vaguely what we're probably going to pay to fix it up. And it's going to be it's going to be a lot because it, it's construction, construction's expensive. And so now the big back and forth has been what kind of cost cutting can we do? Uh we might need to like install, you know, fire suppression in there. It doesn't have a sprinkler system and our insurance company's like, "You know what would be cool is is if you had a sprinkler system in there in case it started on fucking fire." And those, I don't know what that's going to cost, but probably a lot of money. And it's kind of frustrating because I'm of the mind like, hey, let's fix this up one time and we'll do it right the first time. And yeah, it's going to be expensive, but we own the building forever and we're going to have a, a department in there that makes us money, like actively a month makes us money. It will eventually pay itself off. And you got you got the people above going, well, I don't want to spend that much money. It's like, then why did you buy the fucking building? I, you know, we, we started the conversation with a critique on, like, creative works. Yeah. Uh, budgeting a creative work can be challenging. But, like, when you do, you know, just, like, physical things, like laser cutting stuff, I feel like there's a math point where you can just make a decision, yes or no, right? Right. I. <laughs> it is a lot of math, and I'm bad at math. But it's math. But it's math. And then, like, the stupid shit like the bathroom is like, okay, we're going to tear out a bathroom, but we should make, like, the bathroom we're leaving kind of nice just because... There's people going to be working here, and it would be nice if the bathroom didn't look gross. And yeah, that means throwing another couple thousand dollars at the bathroom. But then you do that, you don't have to do it ever again. You know what's funny? Um, at, this is at my old job. But there was a, a, a big thing. I worked in purchasing, and the, the general manager wanted us to refurbish the bathrooms. And so my boss was the uh, the indirect purchasing manager. I don't know how many months he spent getting all these quotes for the work on the bathrooms. He finally settled on this one bid. And I want to say it was the second cheapest bid. Okay. And he pitched why we want this one step up just to like make it just a little bit nicer for everybody. And he got chewed out because we clearly don't have, like, the difference in money 
to cover that small upgrade, right? Sure. Uh, so, you know, long story short, uh, that we went with a cheaper company um, against his recommendation. Uh, it was a disaster because part of his concern was how unprofessional they were when quoting the work in the first place. Yep. Uh, one of the bathrooms did not function once they were done with it, and we could not get them to come out and fix it. So it ended up costing us more to have someone else come out and fix it. Uh, but then, meanwhile, uh, the general manager then reached out to the most expensive bid and without getting anyone's approval, just had them come in and do the bathroom in the one building that he works. Oh, wow. And his argument or his justification was uh, that's where we bring in customers. So we want to impress them. So if they want to use the nice bathroom, we should make sure it's available to them. But in that okay. building, the bathroom is like up on the second floor where we don't take the customers because it's like in the accounting department. Oh. And so when we had customers over, we had to send them to the shop floor where it had a big like out of order sign. That's funny. Like, yeah. And it's just like when, you know, when it's my job to help balance the budget and I'm looking at this as the budget and it's like, I don't know why I care anymore. And I left. When you got multiple people like telling you different things and you have to like pick the money option. Yeah, it gets it gets frustrating. I like it when we don't buy equipment out of China, not because I think that China equipment is bad, but because the tech support is really, really difficult and they don't always come with good manuals or computers in English. And we've bought a couple things out of China lately. And like my week, my job this week was learning how this fucking machine works so I could write a work instruction because I can't use the goddamn manual because Google Translate only does so well. And it's like, fine, this is working. The machine's not actually that hard now that we know how to run it. Things are progressing. Uh, it's actually a little fun. It got to the point where it got to be fun. It was a real headache for a couple of weeks, but now it's fun. And then I got my boss going, or my boss's boss going, hey, we're going to buy these ACF bonders out of China because they're really cheap and we need this capability. But if we buy them out of a place not China, we're going to have to spend like 100 grand and we can get these for like 20 grand. And it's like, oh, cool. We didn't learn anything. My favorite. But at the same time, you are saving more money because... You're not paying me that difference to learn how to do this shit. It costs way cheaper for me to do that. It just sucks for me. Oh, I told you this story before, but we had to buy a really like huge ass like you know CNC machine, like industrial size, like you can walk inside of it machine. Yep. And uh, we we could have bought a new one, or we could bought a refurbished one, or. Somebody found a company in Japan that's selling a used one uh, without any guarantees or insurance on it. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. bad, bad, bad so bad. Uh, that, that went back and forth for a good year. Finally decided to buy that one, I guess. It's on the ship. And then the, the chief engineer asked at that point, once it was like on the ship in the ocean because they already paid for it. He said, what are the dimensions on the machine? And someone said, I don't know. It's like, okay, what, how wide is that door that we have to get it in the building? I, I don't know. Uh, okay, is it, like, who's going to install it? Does this come with installation, or do we have to hire a crew to, like, cut out the concrete inside the building and install it and calibrate it? Like, are we going to have to hire the company to come out and do this on a used machine that we didn't buy from them? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that guy got fired. <laughs> whoever, whoever I would hope so on that one. There was normally not consequences, but I think that one was big enough that it was a uh, an event. We um we recently bought a, a convection oven to cure parts, and I was the one. I I did a lot of work on that. And when I was like, "Hey, it's coming," I I was the the sales guy. I was up that dude's ass for a lot of information. I was like, I need to know how big this is, like length, width, height. I need to know the weight of it. I need to know the weight of the fucking skid. I need to know how it's going to be trucked to me because I got to work with the riggers to make sure we get it in the building. And they want to know, you know, all the electrical shit, like all of it, all the ducting. And it was weird how difficult some of that information was to get out of him. Because I feel like normal people should be asking all these questions. It's a 20 foot oven. It's an ordeal to get it in your building. I went I went to the dock. I measured the fucking dock to make sure it was going to fit. 
Not that I want to turn the last five minutes of this into me bitching about work, but like, I don't know, when you're buying something like that, I've been through this enough times to know that getting all that information right the fuck away is way better than not, because all of a sudden you're like, oh, how are we going to get this in the building? That pisses a lot of people off. Yes. Uh, There's a point where you have to objectively just say, hey, some things are going to cost more than you wish they did, and move on. Yep. Because the, when you when you really try and shave it as close as humanly possible every single time, you end up nicking yourself way more than you realize you will. Yep. Also, uh, we, we had, had a like fun, contract. I don't know how we got here. We went on a journey. Yeah, we did. I I went to Mid Journey and I said, "Give me the most beautiful woman ever," and her uh, bazonga bows are too big to get in the church doors. This isn't gonna did work you out really at all. type that in or did you type in I want a girl whose boobs are too big to fit in the doors uh, I did not type that in someone else made this okay <laughs> it's very funny it's a very funny picture I'll use it as the show thumbnail there we go okay this uh, is one where I want to send to people you, but you, I'm you, not going to do you, uh, I don't care do you have a good glad space yeah I probably do um my friend Travis, who's been in the, the military for a while, I'm not going to say his last name because uh, he's Hi, been Travis. in the military for a while. Hi, Travis. He, he oh, moved sorry. back. <laughs> Mr. Wilson. <laughs> Mr. Wilson. Uh, but yeah, he, he's he's back in town like for the, the extended future unless he gets, you know, pushed somewhere else because military going to military. Military don't care. Uh, but it's been ha- it's been really nice having him back. He's only been back a week, but I've got to hang out with him twice and then... I've, I've I drank a decent amount both times. He's very fun to drink with, uh, but I, it's you don't really miss like you you realize you miss them. You know what? You words hard. You don't realize how much you miss someone until they're like back to stay and you can hang out with them like two days in a row. And you're like, oh, this fucking rocks. Remember when we used to do this all the time? And then it's been a decade because you you had to move away for work. Uh, so it's been it's been great having him back. I'm excited to. To see his wife and kids, because it's been a long time, and uh, they haven't been over yet, but, like, his his daughter wants to learn how to play piano, and we're like, well, we can't teach you, but we have one if she wants to fuck around with it whenever. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's been it's been cool having them back. I know when you're down here, I don't know if you'll end up meeting them or not, but odds are probably 50-50 that you will. That sounds fun to me. He's uh, He's got a lot of stories. Some of them involve guns. Um, what about you? You got a glad space? I went and saw a movie that wasn't Indiana Jones. Okay. I saw Asteroid City. Oh, I heard that um, was good. Do you... What? I feel like I heard that was good. Who Who do you talk to? Like, it, like it, this is like the worst rated Wes Anderson film ever. Oh, um, did Jean-Luc post anything about this? It might have been him. He 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 goes and well, finds I weird mean, movies that people hate so he can like them. I mean, he's... But, but he's also, like... I think he's film literate enough that he kind of counts as a person. I mean... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just... You keep, you keep bringing up, like, word-of-mouth stuff, and it's, like, always the opposite of my understanding of reality. <laughs> I tried going to Rotten Tomatoes, and it crashed my browser. It might have been on, like, Reset Era. Like, there might have been, like, a thread title. Be like, hey, this movie was good, actually. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. I didn't, I didn't click on it. I'm not going to go see it. I mean, should I see it? it, it if it's your glad space, it, maybe it is good. I can't. I just want to I want to see what the score was. 73% on Rotten website. Tomatoes. Um, oh, that's bizarre. Audience score is like 61%. 23% when I looked. I don't know what happened then. Okay, my point is, I really love this movie. So, it uh, it's it's uh, it's almost it's borderline like self parody. Like it's such a Wes Anderson film. It's like a self aware commentary on that. Uh, I feel like he's an acquired taste. I, do Do you like any of his movies? Um, which movies have I seen by Wes Anderson? I know I've seen some, like but I'm not Aquatic. familiar. I liked Isle of Dogs. Maybe I haven't seen any of his movies. Oh, so I saw Sing. Apparently, he did that. Flat. Yeah, 
he has this very neat uh, approach to cinematography that's very uh, him. It's, it's unique. I think this film feels like a student film. Huh. There's like an there's an aura of pretentious, uh, like I, what everything I'm saying is important. I, my message is amazing because I'm so smart to have thought of it. Like it, it's it's almost silly how this comes across. Uh, and again, in a very self-aware way, uh, the, it really spoke to me. <laughs> um, it's told in this very interesting way that the, the, the trailer does not tell you what the movie is going to be about. It's told with this weird meta narrative outside of the film of how the story was made. Like half of the story is really about the script writer. And the actor's. And the set designer. And then half the story is the story itself. And I found okay. that very fun and interesting as a hook. But as that went on, I was just really impressed. <laughs> like every scene kind of like, oh, that was that was interesting. And by the end, I like I, I thought it was very good. As I was walking to the theater, I thought, you know, I liked it. I don't care about those bad reviews. But I've been thinking about it like all week. I keep like, I'll be sitting in the toilet and just playing a different scene in my head, and I'll think about it in a different way, and it's like, oh, wait, did that also mean this? And it's just, it's it's uh, it's got this pretentious depth to it that's there kind of because it's a movie, and that's what movies are. It's the magic of film. While at the same time, there is actually something there. Sure. And I kind of appreciate that a lot. Uh, I mean, you know me, I, I watch a lot of garbage and so, like, part of bad movies is dissecting them, and part of bad movies is directors that don't know what they're doing. And this almost felt like a bad movie where the director knows what he's doing. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, it's interesting. Uh, if you did watch it, I would love to talk to you about it. Um, Yeah, I can add it to the list. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if we would fill an hour with it. But I do think it would be fun to have a conversation. Sure. I think next week I'm going to watch the Mario movie. Because um, that's at Redbox now. Wahoo! Uh, my parents saw that. They So we watched that on, on the 4th of July. Oh, nice. Was it fun? Nothing says America more than Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, no, Luigi, the... The pipes are, are leaking. Oh no, Mario. I'm choking on Nagini. I don't remember what Luigi sounds like. I don't either. But I appreciated the effort. What was that? Now I could, if I have a script, I bet I can remember. What was that one, that game? It was a CDI Mario game. And and Mario says, um, it sure was nice of the princess to invite us over for a picnic, wasn't it, Luigi? And Luigi says, I hope there was lots of spaghetti. <laughs> and then the music's like... I can't blame I, him. I like, spaghetti's pretty great. Stupid. I wish I was normal. No, I like... Well, okay. I mean, I think that too about myself, so I can't... Uh, I can't judge... I have no idea if this was a good podcast, Cameron. We 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 talked about everything, but maybe not well. Oh, I found that. Okay, tell me tell me how good I did this cutscene. I I time stamped it. I feel like um you were close. Thank you. Now I can sleep at night with one eye open. Uh, any well wishes for our audience? Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. That's all. Everyone else can go to sleep. Yeah. Fuck the rest of you. I'm sorry I'm so awkward. <laughs> I'm going to hit stop now. <laughs> <laughs>